How many of you have experienced some turbulence while flying on an airplane? I, I remember uh, leaving Cairo, Egypt to fly to Amman, Jordan, that I got invited to be in the cockpit of this huge plane. The missionary that I was with knew the, the pilot, and so I was invited to enjoy that amazing experience. And while making that journey, I asked the pilot, I said, you know, how do you know uh, when you're about to hit turbulence? And he said, well, I, I watched the radar screen carefully. He said, secondly, I'll watch cloud formation. And he said, thirdly, when our heads hit the cockpit ceiling, I realize we have some turbulence. And of course, they tell you to fasten the seat belt if it's not already once you're, you're about to enter turbulence because you're looking for some security in the uncertainty. You want things to be as good as they can be in a time that's not favorable. Now I want to take you from planes to trains and once again look at life as parallel tracks, as good and evil, as success and sorrow, as joy and difficulty that happen simultaneously. That it's not one or the other, but they are both inseparable until we get to heaven. And so we want to find how to experience security in uncertainty. We want to find how to choose joy when the external circumstances don't provide any energy for joy. How do I have a sense of well-being when life is turbulent? Paul, once again, will inspire us and also a story from a family that I love so much. A family that has inspired me over this year because of what they have journeyed into on the parallel tracks of life. Let me take you back to the beginning of 2012 as Dustin and Gina and their precious daughter Alyssa just declared in their hearts that 2012 they wanted true joy. That would be their pursuit as followers of Jesus. Early in the year, Gina attended the Bethmore Bible study on the book of James. One of the challenges of that study was to memorize the entire book of James. She said, I didn't memorize the whole book, but I definitely memorized the first chapter, and I never knew how much I would need those words. Early in 2012, Dustin and Gina had an undeniable desire to have another child. They became pregnant along the way, some blood work was concerning to the doctor, and so they went in at 16 weeks of the pregnancy for an ultrasound. The lady doing the ultrasound, when she brought the wand over, immediately stopped and said, this doesn't look good. She said, I must get the doctor, left the room, and the doctor came back. Looking at what he saw, he made this statement, that your baby is not compatible with life and would not be able to live or sustain life outside the womb. I can't imagine what you do at that moment and moving into your future to process that kind of news. On one side, you've been pursuing joy, and you know life isn't perfect, and so you, you look to God for what He can give you, and yet something like that happens. And I watched Dustin and Gina just 
live out a peace and a vitality that has amazed me. Now they will be quick to tell you that they dealt with anger, disappointment, uncertainty, and questions. They left that doctor's appointment and said, we're going to believe for a miracle. We know what statistics say, but we're going to trust the God who can do the impossible. There were circles of people who found out about this need, but it wasn't something the whole church knew about, but I knew about it over those months of the pregnancy, and I'd watch as Dustin and Gina would come for prayer under that diagnosis, yet still trusting God, believing for a miracle, saying, God, you know, we'll do our part to pray and believe, and we'll trust you to do your part. Even prepared their nursery so that when their baby was born, their baby could come home and have this great life. But their little boy Luke just didn't make it home. Kelly and I remember going to that funeral and participating in that funeral, and I remember leaving the graveside. Kelly and I, our hearts were broken for Dustin and Gina and Alyssa. And I was concerned for them as I would be any young couple to have to deal with such real deep pain and grief. I said, Lord, I pray that through this they will still believe. And I not only prayed over this year for them, but I watched. And they have really become an example to me of people who have been very honest with what they've encountered and in the midst of it chose to trust God. And there's some lessons that Paul gives us, lessons that I see in this incredible couple. And I think they will help all of us today. I want to draw your attention, first of all, to the fourth chapter of Philippians. We'll begin at verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So what is the focus of verse 6? What is the challenge? The challenge is to pray. So let me give you that word. That's a word I want you to record in your heart. Make note of that somewhere because what I watched Dustin and Gina live out was a willingness to orient their hearts to God. To keep turning to God in prayer. They turned to God in their need believing for a miracle. They turned to God in their grief believing for peace and the sustaining grace of the Holy Spirit. They kept orienting their hearts to the Lord. Paul's the one who wrote this. Paul's writing it from prison. Paul's had an amazing, difficult journey in life. And so he wouldn't put it in here, inspired of the Spirit, unless he too had discovered something of prayer. The word prayer is the unveiling of the mystery of your heart. Where you are honest with the Lord. He knows how you feel, but it is helpful for you to, in prayer, say, Lord, here's where I am Here's the need as I see it. 
I present it to you. I unveil the mystery of my heart. And then Paul shows us that as we pray, it comes with a promise. And that's in verse 7. And let me read it to you. It's coming on the screen. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? If you pray, that's verse 6, there is a provision, a promise given to us in verse 7, and that's peace. There are going to be many people leave this service today with an encounter of the peace of God. A peace that you don't even have now, you didn't come with it, but you're going to leave with this peace because you're going to be bold enough, submissive enough to pray. To pray when it's not easy. To pray when you felt like you prayed and it didn't work. To pray and unveil the mystery of your heart. And to make yourself a candidate to receive this supernatural gift that comes from God. Which is peace that transcends all understanding. How... Do I see this well-being, this vitality, this perseverance in Dustin and Gina? It's coming as a supernatural gift of peace in response to their prayers. It is the peace of God that is not tied to external circumstances. When you're on the parallel tracks and you're navigating the adversity, the turbulence, it's good to know. That there is a God who can supernaturally deposit something in your heart that is not influenced by what is happening around you. But there is a gift that comes from his power that will sustain you in peace, which is the well-being that you need when you don't understand. It is the certainty you can have in the midst of uncertainty. The world as meaning outside of a relationship with Jesus There's no provision for the parallel tracks. Please open your heart. Turn to Jesus. Jesus is the one who will fill the void, assign meaning, give you the assurance of eternity. It's not a fleeting deposit of God's grace in your life. It is a sustaining power. I reach to you that don't know Jesus as your Savior to recognize that today you can be saved. And if nothing around you changes, everything inside of you will change. And you will know peace that passes understanding. And it will guard your heart, the seat of your emotions. It will guard your mind. That's what I prayed, leaving that graveside. Lord, Dustin and Gina are going to have all kinds of thoughts, and they will tell you honestly what it's like when, over that year, the snow was falling, and they couldn't sleep at night because they wanted to go keep their baby warm. Yet, orienting their hearts to God In raw prayer, Lord, I don't understand that. That's the mystery of their heart. 
Somehow God granted peace. He'll do the same for you. In that same chapter, down at verse 10, here's what Paul says. How I praise the Lord that you, speaking of the Philippians, are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. The Philippians were a church that really helped Paul in some certain needs, and they had to have the opportunity, they had to have the chance to express their concern. The word concern is a word that is rooted in compassion. It it shows a person living in such concern that when they get the opportunity, they express that. The word chance means the need is now. It's the opportune time. It's the favorable time. I noted as this story that Dustin and Gina were living unfolded, there were people that God put around them. People who became part of this this peace process in their lives. When I walked into the funeral home, as we were about to conduct the homegoing service of baby Luke, one of their small group leaders came up to me with tears coming down her face and says, they're like my children. See, that is a servant leader in this church who has concern, rooted in compassion. And the time had come and the need was real and she was expressing that with her presence She was expressing that to them with her words, with her prayers. And it's why I would say to all of us, we ought to declare this house as in this church campus. And you should declare of your house that it is going to be an encouragement zone. There is so much criticism and pain in the world that if we could declare this an encouragement zone where we will be people looking for ways to help and to express mercy and concern, we will be a hospital to those who are sick. They were encouraged. This peace that God gives you is like a gift, and then he expresses it as you pray and by the people he puts around you. Now, if you've been hurt by people, it can be a challenge to then open your heart for people that didn't help you. Some people who are hurt by other people, they are isolated and they miss this blessing. They miss an expression of God's mercy and peace that the Lord wants to give through people. Now that is very real and difficult to not isolate when people have hurt you. But just consider Paul, the one who wrote this. He was abused both physically and emotionally by people. I don't know that you could be hurt more by other people than Paul was. And yet he specifically says time and time again how other people were used of God to bring encouragement, support. It was was how he made it through some days because of how God used people. He could have been very broken and bitter and said, People, the reason I'm where I am, but somehow the Lord helped him. And what I'm saying is that the Lord will help you. He will help us so that we remain open to the ministry of mercy that God will give us through other people. 
Christian is a young man that I love. He's a teenager in this church, and his sister's name is Reagan. And this past Monday, they had to attend, and let, let's not put that picture up just yet. They had to attend the homegoing service of their mom, their mom who fought a long battle with cancer. And it was a difficult day, as you can imagine. And there's another little girl in our church, Destiny Miller, the daughter of Cody and Andrea, who just really loves Reagan. She's special friends with Reagan, and she said to her mom and dad, please let me attend the funeral so I can be there with Reagan. It's a little girl. So she went to the funeral service, the homegoing service of Reagan's mom, and someone captured a picture, and I've been given permission to show this to you and kind of tell you the story. So I want you to look at the screens. On the right is Destiny. On the left is Reagan. You can look at Reagan's face and see what must be going on in a little girl's mind who's experiencing a day like that. And then there's Destiny, her friend. Notice she, Reagan has flowers and a Kit Kat. Destiny brought those to her because Reagan loves Kit Kats. But this is a king Kit Kat. It's like a double portion Kit Kat. They're awesome. And Destiny gave that to Reagan and said, your mommy is with the king. And then she laid her head over on her shoulder and just was there, and it's called the Ministry of Presence. If the church can get this lesson, we will be light in the darkness. We will shine like stars. Most everybody we see would be blessed and helped by a good word. We have no idea the stories behind the smile sitting in this room, behind the people sitting in this room, and what it would mean to find them and intentionally say, I am praying for you, I love you, I'm standing with you, you're going to make it, you're going to come through this, I'm going to lock arms with you. We'll walk this valley together. We'll process through this together. By God's grace and God's power, you're going to make it. You're going to overcome. Hope is going to be your anchor. Peace is going to be the gift of God. I'm going to pray. The sun will not come up, but what I have called your name before the highest throne. You won't spend a day outside of the prayer support that will flow from my heart with passion. I'm standing with you. I am for you. And we will get through this. That's the local church. We make it. Oh, the times that people have had a word in season for me. Their presence, their calls, their notes, their words to me. Words have the power of life. 
and they have the power of death. And Paul knew that, and so he very specifically in Philippians says, we've got to be careful how we think, think on these things, and then careful with what we say, be people of a good report. Be people that, that God can use as a minister of mercy. We, we live in a discouraged community, a discouraged culture, a discouraged world. There's pain and uncertainty. Let us rise as stars in the night and let us shine with mercy, encouragement, and God will use it as a peace process in someone's life. People were around Dustin and Gina. And they received from them. And then I want to take you now to verse 11. Paul says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live, and notice the parallel tracks here, on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. Here the apostles, Paul says, I learned. So in verse 6, the peace of God was a gift. In verse 11, he's saying, I'm also discovering more about God. I'm learning, and the result of the knowledge is contentment, which is peace, which is well-being. He's, he's learning that that peace is not connected to external circumstances. It's not supported by what's happening around him. It is coming from the gift of God and the character and nature of God that he is discovering as he remains faithful, keeps orienting his heart in prayer. It is the same for us. I've often thought about Paul. And over this year, I've thought a lot about Dustin and Gina. Like how? How do they have such vitality? They're part of a small group. They lead a small group. They serve in ministry. They serve in children's ministry. How? Because as you put one foot in front of the other with trust and prayer, you receive a gift and you learn a lesson. You make the discovery of the character and nature of God that's beyond comprehension. That their vitality and their peace, it isn't connected to what's happened to them, it's coming from God. Because in a moment, what has happened can be as raw and real as if it happened yesterday, even though it was just over a year ago. Just like the man who came up to me after the first service and said, we lost our daughter 30 years ago. And it's as real today. But this service has just helped us. We've experienced God's peace today. See, the, the situations are still very, very real. But there is a discovery and a gift and a power 
that is greater than the external circumstances. This is what Paul learned, and it's how he could say everything that happened to him had turned out to advance the gospel. Imagine that. He said, matter of fact, all the palace guard, the whole palace guard knows that my chains are because of Jesus Christ, which meant he was influencing them. And the Bible says that many in Caesar's household were being saved, which is unbelievable. He said, many are becoming more bold in their witness for Jesus because of what has happened to me. Where does that perspective come from? To see what has happened to you in light of a bigger picture. It comes through learning through the process, the character and nature of God that shapes your perspective. And not not any of this is easy. But it is the power of God. It's how Paul said, here's what I'm doing. I'm fixing my eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen. On that which is eternal, not that which is temporal. See, Dustin and Gina, they're going to see Luke again. We fix our eyes on the eternal. We discover that there is hope like an anchor. That there is a gift called the peace of God and there's a process of peace that we learn. A well-being that we learn in the grace of God. And it shapes our perception of life and our perspective of life. That's what Paul's saying. There are many layers to Dustin and Gina's story. There's a depth to it of which we'll go into more later in coming services. But I close with a story that they have shared with me that meant a lot to them. It's the story of the bummer lamb. That's the name given to the lamb that's rejected of its mother. Because the mother doesn't feel she can take care, provide for the lamb. So the shepherd takes that lamb, and the shepherd is the sole provider. The shepherd feeds the lamb, cares for the lamb, comforts the lamb, talks to the lamb. And the day comes where that lamb is inserted back into the herd. The shepherd will say when he goes out and He calls for the herd that it is that lamb that is the first to turn and move toward the shepherd because it is that lamb that's so keenly aware of the shepherd's voice and the shepherd's care. The lamb learned that in a time of rejection and lack. A time of need where there was nothing of the ordinary process that was providing and so it came from another. Dustin and Gina are saying, we've learned of a depth of God. We become aware of the voice of God on a whole different level. In this time of anger, grief, questions we can't answer, yet desire to still trust. We've learned of a shepherd who will pull you close, who will provide for you. Who will teach you, get you going back in life again. And I feel like the shepherd's voice is calling somebody today. 
If you'll just come to him and pray. Even if you've prayed a thousand times. Pray. Open your heart. The supernatural gift of peace. I want you to meet Dustin and Gina. Dustin and Gina, would you stand and come? And I think we ought to honor this couple for their determination, their perseverance. Please remain standing. I watch them in services like this, reeling from this situation, just say, Lord, we still believe. They position themselves to receive. With your eyes closed, if you'd say, Ron, I need peace. I need a supernatural gift of peace. Life is more turbulent than it's ever been. I need peace. Would you just raise your hand quickly? Raise it now. Come on, raise them, raise That's it. Keep raising them, keep raising them. I always believe and pray that there would be a voice behind the voice. I think preaching is this, I'm just a voice, but there's really a voice behind my voice. It's the voice of God. And I pray you've heard His voice today. He's calling your name.